I want to welcome everyone this morning to our service of worship. We welcome those who are online watching us today. And uh, our call to worship comes from the book of Psalms. To you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. In you I trust, O my God. Do not let me put to, be put to shame, nor let my enemies triumph over me. No one whose hope is in you will ever be put to shame, but they will be put to shame who are treacherous without excuse. Show me your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Guide me in your truth and teach me. For you are God my Savior, and my hope is in you all day long. Remember, O Lord, your great mercy and love, for they are from of old. Let us open our hymn books to number 13 and stand as we are able to sing Joyful, Joyful, We Adore Thee, number 13. Let us pray. O great God, our Father in heaven, your mercy is an unexpected miracle. Help us to believe and obey this day so that we may be free from the worry of sin and be filled with the wine of new life promised in the power of your Son, Jesus Christ, our Savior. For this we pray in his name. Amen. Let us greet one another this morning by the wave offering of peace.
Thank you. Be seated. Not a lot in the announcements today. I hope that most of you got your newsletter already. It was mailed on Thursday and some got it, I know, on Friday, some on Saturday. And for those that haven't gotten it yet, uh, certainly it'll be there by Monday. As you found out, it, uh, it, it just uh, gave an explanation of all of our mission uh, efforts for the past year and this coming year in part, and it was very helpful in that regard. Uh, and uh, I hope you do go through and look at that because we're very, you know, we have a very diverse uh, number of missionaries in various parts of the world, and uh, we're really connected in so many different ways. Jeff Miller tells me that the new schedule for the Faith uh, Presbyterian Golf Association will be out this coming week, and uh, that will begin on May 1st. Now, I know it's January 24th, but um, we, can, we can look forward to, to golf in the coming uh, spring, late spring there. So we have that. <clears throat> Also, uh, I also want to just call your attention to um, the season of Lent. As I said in my newsletter article, Lent begins on Wednesday, the 17th of February. That is Ash Wednesday. We are going to have an Ash Wednesday service, uh, and I, I think I have, have devised a safe means in which to... Uh, put ashen crosses on our foreheads. And uh, so uh, we will be doing that and kicking off the season of Lent on that Wednesday night. Now, in addition, there is going to be, uh, for part of the Lenten season, we are going to offer a reading program through the New Testament where we read through the entire New Testament during the season of Lent leading up to Easter Sunday. And uh, that schedule will be published early in February in the February newsletter, and also we'll put it on our website and those sorts of things. And it will be an excellent opportunity uh, to just read through uh, the entirety of the New Testament, which can be easily done during the... Uh, five weeks of Lent and Holy Week uh, in addition, and that will be able to be accomplished. So we are looking forward to those sorts of things. Now also, we are continuing to request that if you have gotten your, your shots and uh, you haven't told us, please tell us if you've gotten your second shot and you're good, I mean, you're to go, please tell us. Uh, if you have the antibodies and uh, found out that you had the virus, didn't know it, like uh, Bill Ray told me last week, he's got the antibodies, didn't even know he had the virus. And um, tell us, that's, that's information for us to know and it's helpful. And it's just one of those things that we can um, make, help us to make progress across the board with in, in those things. So all those things are going on. Uh, most, uh, all now of our folks who have been sick are well. Uh, you see the Murrays back here. You see Miss Norma back here. They're, they've all made it through. And Joe says he wishes it on no one. So, 
Don't try it. Not highly recommended. So uh, we're very glad about that. Just very glad about that. So just some of our announcements in that regard this morning. Our first scripture reading this morning is found in the Gospel of Mark in the 10th chapter, reading verses 50, 46 through 52. You'll find that reading on page 600 and, uh, sorry, 716 in the Pew Bible. This is actually one of the famous uh, healing stories that is in the Gospel of Mark. Mark 10, beginning at verse 46. When they came to Jericho, as Jesus and his disciples, together with a large crowd, were leaving the city, a blind man, Bartimaeus, that is the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many rebuked him and told him to be quiet, but he shouted all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and said, call him. So they called to the blind man, cheer up on your feet. He's calling you. Throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and came to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked him. The blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. Go, said Jesus. Your faith has healed you. Immediately, he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. May God bless the reading and hearing of this word from the Gospel of Mark. Now, this morning, as we go to God in prayer, a couple of things. Uh, word came to me. I talked with Greg Kissel this morning. Many of you still remember Greg Kissel, that his wife Donna died early this morning. And uh, she'd been ill, as you all know, for some time and uh, died uh, peacefully uh, in her sleep, and Greg was, was able to be with her. And so I just asked your prayers for uh, Greg Kissel and uh, his stepdaughter, Donna's daughter, and their family, and have no, of course, any arrangements. They live up in Ozark, Missouri, and I think that Donna will end up being buried somewhere in Illinois. I think there's a family plot there in Illinois somewhere that they will take her to go and bury. So I wanted to let you know about that. Also, I wanted to ask, and this, during this time of prayer, you know, one of the things that I have discovered is that uh, uh, Facebook is a both a wonderful and a terrible thing. 
It is a two-edged sword. It is a place in which if you say something, sometimes it can haunt and it can, it's just there forever. Um, and when the day comes that we don't have to have Facebook, we don't have to broadcast that anymore, I think I look forward to the day that, once again, I'm not on Facebook in that regard. I want to caution us. You know, we live in a very volatile time. Uh, we live in a nation that is deeply divided uh, along political lines and other lines, and that sometimes uh, we forget that uh, what we might say and publish online uh, might be uh, detrimental to somebody else's thinking. Not that you can't do it, not that you don't have the right to do it. As Paul says, all things are legal, but not all things are always helpful. And so I, I just urge us and, you know, to be cautious. Uh, it's easy to publish something online because there's nobody there to talk to or nobody there to immediately react but it's also uh, then it can cause uh, intimacy and it can cause uh, heartbreak and it can set even congregations apart. I got a pastoral letter sent to all the pastors of the EPC this week from uh, Jeff Jeremiah, our stated clerk of the EPC, in which he, he said, Please, we understand that our churches are going through tumult and difficulties and that churches are dividing over political lines and that churches are having a great deal of difficulty because of the pandemic and also because of everything goes on. Encourage everyone in your congregation to be in prayer one for the other. And uh, it is, it's affecting the church, as I stated in my newsletter. Certainly the pandemic has now, it has loosened, and in some cases it seems almost severed the bonds of fellowship. And the bonds of fellowship are important in any congregation because it helps us to strengthen one another and to stand with one another, even sometimes when we may not fully agree with one another. So uh, I offer that as a, a pastoral word and to do it during this time as we go to God in prayer. Let us pray. Almighty and everlasting Father, What wondrous gift have you given us that we can come before you and we can pour out our hearts, our minds, our soul, our strength. We can give to you all those things that burden us, the things that cause us to stumble. We can pour out to you our joys, the things that make life sweet. And we can lay them all before you, knowing that you hear our prayers. We give you thanks, mighty God.
We thank you that your healing hand has been fast upon so many in our congregation and that all those who had been suffering these past many weeks from the virus are on the mend and well. We praise you, mighty God. We thank you, O Lord, for others who are recovering, who are finishing up therapies and treatments for various operations and illnesses and are better. We praise you, mighty God. We come to you and we know that a friend of this church, a former member, has lost his wife of these many years and he grieves and we lift up Greg Kissel to you and we pray for him as he mourns the loss of his wife, Donna. And we pray for all those who mourn this day, mighty God, because there are many across this area, across our nation, around the world. May your comfort and peace be upon them all. O oh, gracious God, as we come to you, we pray that the rollouts of all the various vaccines for the treatment and the prevention of the virus continue and that supply and demand be met. We thank you that most of those now who have received it are being able to build up an immunity to this illness. And we continue to pray that others will be able to get their vaccines in the days and weeks and months to come. Oh, gracious God, we continue to pray for our nation and help us, oh Lord, help us to mend our brokenness by your divine hand, empower us to live as a people a people that do not always agree, but nonetheless a people of the United States of America. We pray these things. And now, mighty God, we ask this morning that you hear our prayers. We make them in the name of your son, Jesus, and to them we say and pray together the prayer that he taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen and amen. Now, our second scripture reading this morning is found in the Gospel of Matthew from the fifth chapter, the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount. And we're going to read through the Beatitudes, but I'm particularly focusing my sermon today on Beatitude number seven. Bob, turn me down just a little bit. I'm getting a lot of feedback. There we go. You'll find the uh, Beatitudes on page 683 in the Pew Bible. 
Now when he saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him, and he began to teach them, saying, Blessed are the poor in the spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad. Because great is your reward in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Again, may God bless the reading and hearing of his word to us from this, the Gospel of Matthew. Well, this month of January, I've been preaching on this series of sermons entitled, Using the Strengths God has given us, and today's particular topic is the practice of mercy, the practice of mercy. Now, there are many different ideas and concepts about mercy. Mercy is a quality, it is a virtue, it is a, how shall I say, a moral practice that is not always championed by all of society or all of people. Uh, different cultures see mercy sometimes as something that is a weakness as opposed, as opposed to a strength in that regard. And the Bible has a great deal to say about mercy and its practice, both from a human point of view and from a God point of view. And I want to look at some of that right now. Let me begin with a story. Uh, a story of a young man who had gone to work for a business in town, and he had been very successful in college, gotten his degrees, uh, knew what he was doing, entered into the workforce, was employed by this man for his company, and after being there for about six or seven months, he figured out that he could skim money off the top and probably wouldn't get caught doing it. And so he began to do it. And 
he had managed to do this for uh, a little while and had basically embezzled thousands of dollars from the company. Well, the company's CPA and treasurer, and they figured this out pretty quick and let the president of the company know. And the president of the company called in the young man and presented the evidence. And the young man said, I, I am guilty. I have done this. And then the president of the company said to the man, now you have admitted to this. Now I'm going to ask you a question. Will you do this again? And the young man sat there and thought about it and he looked at the president and said, sir, I will never ever do this again. And the president said, well then you're not fired. And then the president said, many, many years ago, my boss caught me doing the same thing. And he let me stay because I promised to never do it again. You see, that is what we would describe an act of mercy, where the person was guilty of sin where the person confessed to doing it, where the right thing by all measure would be to fire the person. And yet, the president of the company had mercy on this young man. In Psalm 25 that we read for our call to worship, we read through verse 6. But in verse 7, which I didn't read this morning, it says, Lord, do not remember the sins of our youth. And many of us are, many of us are glad that God does not remember or hold the sins of our youth against us. Now let's talk now more in depth about this practice of mercy. Mercy, to act charitable to someone or some group that is guilty of a crime, an offense, an act of hostility, particularly towards you or those you represent. To forgive instead of to condemn. To show forbearance instead of judgment. Merciful. To be merciful includes feelings of pity with a focus of sharing compassion of not sharing, showing compassion to those who are in some form of serious need. To demonstrate pity to another who is in serious need, usually with a 
act of some kindness that will help the person in need. That is, to have mercy on them. Now, I want to tell you about a little thing that is very interesting. For Christmas this past December, one of the gifts that my wife Terry got in the back was this game in which you pound the frogs and they light up, you pound them. It's, it's like pounding the gophers, you know, except it's frogs. Yes, whack-a-mole, exactly, except it's, it is whack-a-frog. And so it lights up and you got these little mallets and you sit there and it says it's for four-year-olds, but don't believe it. So both Brody and Gracie have played with it. And then this is what it says instead, because it's not easy to do. And if you mess up, it says this in the end. Instead, it says, oh, what a pity. The game is merciful to those who lose. Oh, what a pity. Now, we don't often think of sometimes pity in that regard as being something that is merciful. Uh, but in fact, it is. You know, pity not in a righteous way, but pity in a sympathetic way. Pity in the sense that, you know, I'm very sorry that this has happened to you. Now, in our readings today from the Gospel of Mark, we had the story about blind Bartimaeus sitting on the side of the road between Jericho and Jerusalem. He's sitting there begging it's how he makes his living. It's the only way he can. He, he really, he is blind. And there's a commotion as this group is coming down the road and word begins to get to him. Hey, this is Jesus, Jesus of Nazareth. This is Jesus. And even the blind have heard about Jesus and about what Jesus is able to do. And so the man cries out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. I don't deserve it. I haven't done anything to earn anything, but have mercy on me. Look with pity on my condition. Deliver me. And eventually, even though others say, quiet, shh, shh, he yells enough that Jesus hears. And blind Bartimaeus is brought, as we read, to Jesus. And Jesus says, what is it you want me to do for you? I want to see. And Jesus tells him, your faith has healed you. And we hear that his eyes are open and he sees and immediately he joins the group that is heading towards Jerusalem. Jesus had mercy on this man who was blind. Now, 
Would you describe your life, the makeup of your character, would you describe yourself as a person who is merciful? Now, careful. If you would, can you think in your mind the acts of mercy that you have done? Now, anyone who's ever had children has probably been merciful to some degree or another. So I don't know if that counts. But it is a practice. Have you been merciful? Have you found someone in such a situation that you were moved to help them? that you stood perhaps in power over them, that you held their life, so to speak, in your hands? Have you been merciful? You see, mercy, I think, is in fact one of the great qualities, moral qualities, Christian practices that we do not demonstrate enough in our lives as followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. Mercy can go a long way. You can be merciful and still the person or persons you are merciful to towards may still disappoint you greatly, but that does not negate your act of mercy. Now, mercy can refer to an act of human kindness you might see or come across or meet by chance, by providence, a person that you can change or make a difference in their lives. Do you? Do you ever seek to deliver, to lift one up, to help one through a tragic, a difficult moment, a person or group, a family that finds themselves in a condition of need, of want, of despair, can you be merciful towards them? A couple of years ago, uh, Terry and I had to go to Georgia for a funeral, and on the way back, coming up Interstate uh, 20, there at uh, 22, not 20, 
there at Jasper, Alabama at the stop where there is a Cracker Barrel and a Pilot gas station. We pulled in there to fill up on some gas and I pulled into a slot and right there next to me was a man in a um, kind of a dilapidated old station wagon sitting there and his wife had gone into the store. And as I was pumping gas, he said to me, do you know how far it is from here to Birmingham? And I said, yeah, it's about uh, 45, 50 miles, depending on what part of Birmingham you're going to. And he was telling me that he was going, he and his wife had just traveled from Oklahoma City and they were going and he said, could you buy me $10 worth of gas? I think that will get us there. And I said, well, sure. And I gave him, I just reached into my wallet and took all the cash money I had in my wallet and I gave it to him. And in that was enough to buy him a tank of gas and some others. But in that, I happened to have a couple of $2 bills. And he came back and he said to me, I've never seen a $2 bill before. He goes, there's two of them here. Would you mind terribly if I kept one of them? I said, it's your money, son. You do whatever you need to do with it. His wife came back and he told everything about it. And she waved, nodded. We drove on. They filled up, and I'm sure they drove on. But the question is, is that sometimes God puts you in a place to be merciful to others. Do you act with mercy? Now, finally, why do we as Christians why do we champion the idea of mercy? Well, it all begins with God. God could look at us, sinners, each and every one. If God was to judge us, we would all be guilty. We would all be in a place that the cross would be where we would all need to go. All of us. When God looks on us, he sees that we are sinners who have broken the law, who have disobeyed the gospel, who have fallen from the grace that he has dispensed. Every one of us. And yet, God, in his great mercy, sent his son, Jesus Christ, sent his son to preach and to teach the gospel, to heal the sick, the blind, the deaf, the lame, to cast out the spirits that were evil, to die on a cross for us. 
This is the mercy of God towards us, that God so loved us that he let his son die for us. So that we could stand before the throne of God clothed in a righteousness not of our own, but of the Lord Jesus Christ, whose blood, as the hymn says, availeth for me. That is how great God's mercy is towards us and towards all who will believe in his son, Jesus Christ. And if that is how God treats us, who are pitiful, who are miserable, then how much more should we, as those who have experienced the mercy, the grace, the love, the forgiveness, the reconciliation of God be towards others. As Christians, we are followers. We are imitators in the best sense of the word of the things of God. And the practice of mercy is one of those things. We are called to be merciful. In the Beatitudes that we read, there in verse 7, Jesus said, Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Are we merciful to one another, towards our families, towards our neighbors, towards the strangers, towards those that we may not agree with? Are we merciful? It is one of the great qualities and not a weakness in the Christian faith, but a strength to be a person of mercy. Thanks be to God who shows his great love for us in his mercy towards us. Amen. This morning on the way out, if you would care to make an offering, the offering plate is there on the table in the back. And uh, again, you know, more and more of us are doing our offerings online, and thank you. That is very kind of you all. Uh, and uh, it has been very helpful.
folks continue to be very faithful. Let us pray. Well, gracious God, we give you thanks for all your benefits, for all your graces and your mercies towards us. Accept our gifts this day, those we give, those that we make electronically, those we send. We give our thanks and praise and make these things all in Jesus' name. Amen. If you will, let us stand and open our bulletin to the Apostles' Creed, and we will affirm our faith using the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he arose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Our closing hymn is number 172, Love Divine, All Loves Excelling, number 172.
And now, my friends, go from this place this morning in peace. Hold strong to your faith. Have your eternal hope in Christ Jesus while showing his love to all that you meet. And may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God the Father, the peace and fellowship of the Holy Spirit be upon you all this day, and I do pray forevermore. Amen. Amen.